You're listening to The Lost Art of Liner Notes, a podcast by Rumble Yard. You can find more episodes of this show by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Recently, we invited Wet into our studio to discuss making their new album, Still Run. Hi, we're Wet. I'm Kelly. I'm Joe. And we're here to talk about our album, Still Run. So me and Joe both grew up in Boston. I grew up in the city of Boston, and Joe grew up on the North Shore. But we didn't actually know each other growing up. But in some ways, I think like our sensibilities are similar because we're from that part of the world. But we met in college. I was at Cooper Union in the East Village, and Joe was at NYU. NYU. Um, I was studying painting. What were you studying? I still never really know. I don't have a good answer. But give us an... Liberal arts. But, like, what's a class you took? Took a lot of classes. Um, I don't get what he did in college. I didn't really... I didn't... <laughs> Computer go, science? Some, some. Some. Video? Some. Mm-hmm. Didn't really come out of that. Art history? W- not really. Okay. So we met in New York. We were both... Uh, in school, I was studying painting. He was studying all that stuff. And we just met through friends. Like, all those schools are right on top of each other. And it was 2006 and, like, a really fun time to be in the city. And, yeah, we met at, like, a party or something. Um, then we started hanging out with... We met at Cal and Max's house. Really? Yep. Okay, so those are my friends from Cooper. We met at their houses. And then, yeah, like, slowly over the years... We were friends with a lot of musicians. Neither of us considered ourselves musicians, but, like, we were around a lot of music. It was a time when there were still all those DIY venues, like Silent Barn. Is Silent Barn still a venue? Not anymore. Just closed. Silent Barn and Death by Audio and what yeah. else? But we never, we, we like, were not mu- music friends, though. We, like, no, didn't. we did. Anyways, we were, like, vaguely involved in music. Well, because we were doing stuff with Kyle. McKibben. Right. So we like had a band at first that was sort of like very casual, large, many people in it, folky, sort of unfocused band in college. And that's how we started playing music together. But it was always like very fun and more just to get together and like get drunk and play music and see friends and have parties and stuff. And then that kind of slowly disintegrated over the years just as people left the city. I left the city. Joe left the city. And then we kind of kept... I kept sending demos to Joe and our other bandmates at the time, Chris and Marty, and we were all kind of just sending demos around. And then we all moved back to the city at the same time. But you and I weren't in very... We weren't very... In very close touch during No, that we time. didn't know each other well, but we were on, like, a lot of emails just about these demos. And, um, yeah, so it was very, like, casual for a really long time. And then it was accidentally came together just because we, we didn't have jobs, really. And we were trying to figure out what we were doing and trying to get jobs. But it was really hard to find work in New York. And 
we shared a bedroom because we were both pretty broke and we shared a bedroom in a friend's house for one summer and kind of by default got close <laughs> and started working on music and and then what happened and we put out our first album in 2016 and we had so many we put out a bunch of stuff before then yeah secretly yeah we had like a bunch of stuff come out and various little things and then an ep and then properly released an album and and then yeah the band went through like a bunch of changes after the first album came out and there was like amazing things that happened we got to tour the world basically and see all these different people connecting to the music and then there were all these challenges too that kind of came with with all that success and yeah we went through a bunch of changes and then me and, and joe emerged last year as the new what's the word the new the uh, new jane brady no, the, <laughs> <laughs> um we're wet now it's just the two of us and yeah and that then we started working on this second record together that we just finished. But I feel like you you had been you had been writing this album for a long time. Yeah, there was a period where we weren't really working together very much, and sort of Joe went off and did his thing with worked with other people, and I was working with other people, and I was just writing in general on tour and kind of on my own in LA. And then we kind of got back into the studio together about a year ago in earnest, and like started intensely working on this record and we just finished it i feel like this one came together much quicker yeah in some ways yeah the writing took place like the, from the second yeah. the last album was out i was writing it and then yeah i think it was important for us for this one to have it be less precious the last one took a long time to come out and we're really happy with it but we want to make a lot of records over the course of our lives and we just wanted this to be like capture a moment for us and and have it be honest and a little bit more like intuitive and just fun if possible so we tried to have as much fun as we could on it boy did we have fun we had so much fun <laughs> <laughs> no we did have some fun it was fun um, what was the i don't what was the funnest part i guess um, working in la was really fun yeah we would take these trips to la over the past year we took a bunch of trips and worked with this guy, Andrew Sarlo, who's amazing, he produced this album for the band Big Thief that we both loved. And we reached out to him and we had these really fun trips in L.A. And he was like, it was really collaborative and really fun. And he worked on a bunch of tracks on the album. There's a Reason, he co-produced that one and Softens. one week where we were working in Santa Monica with this producer John Hill and it was like on the beach it was this beautiful studio like walking distance to the beach and we were working on a song that was coming together pretty easily which is rare usually it's sort of like a struggle in the studio but this one was pretty far along and we were just sort of putting finishing touches on it and we were going to the beach every day before starting and just like getting iced coffee and <laughs> going in the water and sitting on the beach and it was just like really relaxing and 
nice to get away from New York winter and just like get into the LA lifestyle for a minute. We'd go like to this taco truck <laughs> in Echo Park every night called Taco Zone. That's like the best tacos in the world. And we're really, we're really into tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is, but, but I think we really take it to another level. We eat it every single day when we're out there and for like breakfast lunch and dinner pretty much so we would go to get these tacos and then we go to this bar tex and like have a beer and see friends and it was just like <laughs> relaxing in a way that was hard for us at the time to do in new york because all the people we work with are here and just like our lives are here so i think it's like it was it wasn't totally a vacation because we were working and we were working really hard but it was like it was really fun and relaxing in a way and really focusing for us to be out there. I think like also sonically we wanted to explore different ways that it could sound. I think in comparison to the last record, this one has more real instruments. In some ways it's brighter, a little more upbeat. And that came about for a few different reasons. Part of it was playing live we played the last album you know played those songs so many times and I think part of what we realized was it's hard to play an hour of slow songs and that was like a goal for us was to have some songs that felt made more sense in the setting of a venue or a club you know there's still some slow songs but it also and I also think like the world is in such a going through such a weird time and there have been all these really dark sad moments over the last couple years in this country and in the world that like for me I didn't want this album to be dwelling in like sadness and darkness I wanted there to be like hopeful moments and optimistic moments and have it be a place that could feel hopeful and inspiring to people and just feel good and fun which is a challenge for us we definitely tend to make slower more introspective sad music because that's how we feel a lot of the time. <laughs> but I think this was a really this was really positive for us and like hopefully for our fans too. You think it's a more of a upbeat album? You Definitely. Do? Lately. Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's a reason. In the overall it's um a little more upbeat i see it that way at least there's a reason for sure yeah i was surprised when people were talking about it being so <clears throat> different than the other song i guess you know you live with you're working on these songs for a long time you get used to the, how they sound and you make can make sense of like how it fits in with everything else and then when other people hear it for the first time it's like surprising yeah for me i thought there's a reason was a big departure from our last album like it felt sound like a Fleetwood Mac song or something yeah. like that. Because at the beginning when we started working on this record, I think a lot of the songs were headed in that direction. Which direction? Farther away from the last album. That was sort of yeah. like the... That was a goal, was to yeah. push push the sound and see what it could sound like and not just stay in what we were comfortable in. But by the end, we started working our way back towards yeah. our sound. I mean, I think we did really push ourselves with... I think Softens is really different from anything you we've do? ever done. Yeah, that nothing we've done has sounded like that. But by the time we'd pushed ourselves like to the limit of what it felt like still sounding like us, 
I started to write songs, like in the very end of this process, I wrote a few songs that really were more similar to older songs just because, I don't know, something just like was bringing me back to that place and feeling like, cool, we explored this. Now I kind of want to do something that's comfortable with this new knowledge and these new skills and like still bringing in live instruments and bringing in producers and doing stuff we didn't do on the first album in a lot of ways new players we were we were really working with like incredible session musicians there's this band ink no world that has been like a huge inspiration for us and we we got to work with them on this album daniel daniel aged is like the bass player and pedal steel player in that band, and he worked do on a bunch have of these songs. Steel in any of those songs, if their yeah. songs, they do. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, and he like brought so much life to the songs, and then they, their band, it's two brothers, they started playing with us live, so it led to all these things, and now it's like they're a part of the project so intensely, and so I feel like that was a big difference working with really excellent session players mm-hmm. we'd never done that before we'd mostly done it ourselves definitely is nice it's fun. yeah it's amazing when daniel uh age came in and first started playing pedal steel for a song like the two songs i can think of that have it on it that really transformed the song or there's a reason and 11 hours and those are the songs that like we kind of cut other ideas to make sure that the pedal steel part could come through more so and and to ha- have a shining moment. I feel like 11 hours too is like the when you were talking about writing more towards the previous album. That's the one that yeah. I think is the most successful union of the two yeah. sort of modes that we had been working in. So one of the most unexpected moments throughout this process of making the album was when I was working with Rostam from Vampire Weekend. I worked alone with Rostam, but Mong Gleej from Vampire Weekend, he's a producer, he worked on two of the tracks with me. And I would say that was like what came out of those sessions was surprising, particularly one song, You're Not Wrong. I brought in this really slow auto harp demos like you know kind of like a classic wet demo just really sad slow song and he heard it as something completely different and immediately just like put it onto his computer and just started recording drums and bass and like really turned it into something totally different and I I really loved it partly just because I I never would have gone there with it I never could have seen that so he brought something so different to it and turned it into the most upbeat song on the album and and the production is weird and you know nothing like what me and Joe ever arrive at together and in a lot of ways you know some people who've heard it are like that's that's crazy I hate it and other people love it but I like that I I'm I'm interested in being a little less safe with this album and yeah just trying different things and the 
end product of working with him on that song was overall surprising. I think to me, certainly to Joe, lots of other people were like, yeah. whoa, this doesn't sound like a wet song. And some people liked it, some people didn't. But I'm excited to see how fans react to it. Yeah, I, I definitely was surprised the first time I heard that song because I'd heard you play it live before yeah. just on the auto harp. And then when I heard the recording, I was like, oh, I, I don't think I've heard this song before. Yeah, it sounded like a totally different song, and which then, is cool when a producer I can think do it that. Is cool. It's rare. The most surprised I was listening to that song was in the outro, and it's the sax. There's and a I was sax like, oh, there's, solo. I never could have imagined <laughs> that we saxophone would have a sax on a wet solo. song. And I definitely fought Rostam on it, but he, he wanted to keep it. Yeah, there, that sax solo is there. Yes, it is. amazing producers, but it also came down to amazing players for this album. We just hadn't worked with players on that level before, and it was it was really, really cool. I think that's a lot of people now rely more on producers to get you to a certain place because everything is so focused on programming and just what happens in the computer, but it was fun for us and sort of like, in some ways, I imagined a little bit more what it was like to make music in the past, like in the 60s and 70s, when like, yeah, a bass player brings a song to life or a backing vocalist really brings a song to life. And that is production in a way. That is, those elements are the production. And I had a moment that I think is worth like, or we had a moment that is worth shouting out. At the very last song, the rest of the album was mixed. I was trying to squeeze this last song called Still Run. It ended up being the album title track onto the album. We were struggling with backing vocals, so we asked our friend Brendan, who has a project called Star Child and the New Romantic. Very, very good music. I recommend looking into it. We brought him in, and he recorded backing vocals with us, and that was one of those moments where, like, it changed the whole song. He was just bringing the studio alive with his voice and layering all these harmonies. And there was one part where he was like yelling, yell singing. And it was just like, it just captured the emotion of this song and in a lot of ways of the whole album for me and just made me want to change the album name to be Still Run because Brendan just like brought it to life and he's a really talented musician. So thanks to him.
there's a lot of exciting stuff coming out. The album obviously is coming out. It's really exciting. It's called Still Run. It's 10 tracks long. Can't wait for everyone to hear that. And then a bunch of shows in the U.S. and elsewhere all going to be announced really soon. Keep an eye out. Follow us on WET, at WET, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for all the updates. We're constantly posting this stuff, so follow us. So, yeah, check out the album, check out music, check out tour dates. We'll see you soon. Huge thanks to WET for being our guests. You can visit their website, wet.band, to find out more about their new album, Still Run, available now. This episode was produced by Lee Stimmel, Mark Grandy, Nicole Heyman, and me, Matthew Billy. Special thanks to Simon Marcus of Pippa, Curtis Dixon of Red Distribution, and Columbia Records. The Lost Art of Liner Notes is a Rumble Yard production. You can find more episodes by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Rumble Yard is a division of Sony Music Entertainment. For more information, please visit rumbleyard.com. Thanks for listening. And I guess no one's ever told you now.